Well, I'm going to begin a series on the Sabbath. Mike said I need to preach on doctrines, so I'm going to start. Because all our doctrines are very important. They all prepare us for the second coming, and by us knowing them better and settling into them, we're better prepared to help others get ready for the soon return of Christ. And one of the principal doctrines uh, taught by the Bible that's present truth for us is, of course, the Sabbath itself. Let us have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that uh, you are the Lord of the Sabbath. And we want to enter into your rest. To rest in you, to trust you, to believe in your promises, to believe in your power, uh, your providence. Father, help us to experience this Sabbath rest. Where it's not just a day, it's our life. And so, Father, we lay this sermon in your hands and ask that you bless us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So let's go ahead, as you see in the title, experiential rest of the Sabbath. Not just keeping a day, but the experiential rest that the Sabbath represents, okay? So we're going to look at this scripture reading, but I I want us to turn to the book of Hebrews and actually begin with verse 1. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, and we'll get the context of it. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise be left us. Who's us? It'd be the church. Paul's writing this in around 66 AD. That that being left us, uh, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. So the implication is that some in the Christian community have entered into that rest, but some have not. And yet they're part of the church, but they haven't entered into the rest, and they could be left out if they don't. Sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? For unto us, the church, was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. Who's them? Uh, The Jews back in the the Old Testament, right? Those who lived in the time of the Old Testament. But the word preached then uh, did not profit them, not being mixed with what? Faith in them that had heard it. So those in the Old Testament heard the gospel, didn't they? They believed in a Messiah to come. And so as they offered their sacrifices and confessed their sins, they were confessing their sins on the Messiah who was coming, who would die for their sins. Sins. We live on the other side of the cross. We pray to him who's already come and has died for our sins. But they heard the gospel, that they needed to be both forgiven of their sins and cleansed from their sins. That's the gospel, the everlasting gospel. So they heard it, but it didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. Well, they had enough faith to bring their sacrifice to the sanctuary... They had enough faith in the sanctuary itself and maybe in their system, but they lacked faith in God himself. Uh, maybe they believed they for, he would forgive them, but didn't, that he wouldn't be able to cleanse them. Or maybe they only wanted to be forgiven, but not... And so they're lacking faith. Faith in God. Faith in his plan. Or maybe not understanding his plan. But in either way... It didn't profit them. 
because there was a certain kind of rest they needed to be mixed with their faith to make eternal life real. Okay? And we're going to talk about that rest. Verse 3, For we which have believed here in the church do believe, do enter into that rest. So he's talking about those in the Christian church at this time. Many had entered that rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works which finished from the foundation of the world. So some in the church entered the rest and some hadn't. Now we can look up here for verse 4. Now he's talking about rest, how essential it is for salvation. For me to make it to heaven, I can't just believe in Jesus. Amen. I have to enter his rest. Amen. Is that clear? Amen. Now he's comparing this rest that's necessary to the Sabbath. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and did God and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Now, rest in God is essential for salvation. He's comparing it to how God, after his creation, he rested from all his work. But the Sabbath is always presented that way. Work and rest. Not just rest. So when you think about what God did before he rests, and that's what Sabbath means is rest, what did he do? He created. What did he create? He created our world. What was our world like? It was perfect. It was beautiful. Before God rested, everything he did was beautiful, good, lovely, pure, all for the benefit of others. Keep that in mind. To actually enter rest, you have to be living a life of doing good. You can't come to Sabbath, kick your dog during the week, yell at people, And stand up here and read, Blessed Sabbath Day. Because we haven't, we're keeping the Sabbath, but that's not the rest. The rest is throughout the week. You're doing things that are beautiful. You can't create a world, but you can create an environment of love and forgiveness. You have an influence. And by us resting in Him, and the only thing He's going to give us is things that are pure and good and lovely. And if we rest in him, we're going to be like him. And through the week, we have an influence of doing good and doing things that are pure and lovely and beautiful. And then we we rest on the Sabbath. That's Sabbath rest. You know, that's what God's waiting for. There's enough people in the world for end time events to happen who know which day's the Sabbath. But there's not enough people who knows what day is the Sabbath who are resting in God through the week to actually keep Sabbath rest. God's not looking for enough people who know how to read a calendar. He needs enough people who rest in Him and just trust Him. And all they want to do is that which is beautiful and pure and good. Because that's the rest. That's what He created us for. And then in in verse 5, and in this place again, if they shall enter into what? My rest. Sabbath means rest. 
So when we say Sabbath rest, we're not talking about resting in the rest. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the rest. So the Sabbath is really all about who? It's all about God. Sabbath rest is actually resting in Him. He says, this is my rest. And for you to enjoy this day and say it's the best day of the week is because you just experienced walking with me through the rest that week. Okay? Isn't that what this is all about? That we're not just out there to tell people to look at their calendar correctly. What the world needs is rest. They need the rest that only comes from God. Because without God's rest, look at our world. It's absolute turmoil and chaos because we don't know God's rest. Even if everybody kept the seventh-day Sabbath and didn't walk with God during the week, the world's still a mess. Isn't it? Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of... Here's our problem. It's easier to trust man more than... That's the eternal problem with our fallen nature. We trust what we see. But all Sabbath is about trusting him who created everything, whom you cannot see. The world wonders after the beast because they can, they can see it. Right? But we say, no, we're not going to worship the beast. We're not going to worship his image. We're not going to take his mark because we have faith in him whom we can't see, but we have the evidence of all this stuff that he created, and he's this great designer. And he not only created it, he sustains it. And if he's going to sustain nature, doesn't he love me more than rocks and trees? He sustains us too. And this is all about who you're going to put your faith in. Okay? On the first Sabbath, in our world, not in the universe, but in our world, the word Sabbath means rest or he ceased from his creative works. What did he cease from? His works were complete. There was nothing more to add. They were complete in every respect. They were new, they were lovely, they were pure. And this is all part of Sabbath rest. You know, to me it would be really interesting if the Bible had everything up until the creation of man. And God creates this beautiful world. He's active, he's working, everything he does in his work is perfect and beautiful. He makes all the lovely animals. And he does it all for everybody's benefit and joy. God didn't create anything in this world that would bring sorrow. And if we want to keep the Sabbath, we can't spend the week creating sorrow. We can't be part of creating things that takes away people's joy. Does this make sense? If we're true Sabbath keepers, we're only interested in creating things that draw people closer to God and to truth. That's the greatest, most beautiful life you could ever live. And that's ultimately what Sabbath keeping really is. Because God is our example. Because at the end of creating all these other things, then he creates man and says, you are different. 
I'm going to create you and my to be a counterpart of me, to be just like me, physically, spiritually, mentally. And imagine if you're Adam and Eve, and the sixth day, this is your first day. It's not a full day, but it's a part of a day. And you're alive. And God says, I've made you like myself. Look what I have for you. And you, Adam and Eve, look at it. What do they see? Oh, the beautiful tree. Everything's perfect, isn't it? Everything that their eye beheld was beautiful to them. Everything was for their joy and for their benefit. And so Adam's thinking, now, if you made me to be like you and you did this, then I need to continue to do things like take care of what you made. Right? And to make the greatest benefit out of this for everybody else. So Adam's first Sabbath day. It's only logical. You know, I gave a Bible to someone. It's been a couple years ago. It was on the other side of Ohio. And he didn't want to keep the Sabbath. And I said, well, what about Adam and Eve? Well, the Bible says, didn't say they kept the Sabbath. And I said, well, you know. Well, the Bible doesn't say have to say Daniel kept the Sabbath, but I know Daniel kept the Sabbath, right? I, the Bible doesn't say Daniel didn't murder someone, but I believe Daniel didn't murder anybody. I mean, it's only logical that Adam and Eve kept the Sabbath because... This was their way of acknowledging that he is their creator. Could you imagine Adam and Eve saying, oh, this is a, well, I've got other things I want to do. How could they possibly have ignored God as their creator and their example? It's just not logical, is it? Because then they would have already what? They would have already sinned at that point. Ever before the temptation of the tree of, the, of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil. And so in keeping that first Sabbath day, Adam is basically acknowledging God is his creator and that he is now going to live in perfect harmony with his creator. That's what the Sabbath is about. We come here as an expression of saying, I want to be in harmony with my creator and sustainer. That's what it is. It's all about. Now, ancient Israel physically kept the Sabbath, but the Bible's pretty clear that they didn't what? They didn't enter into his rest. That doesn't mean there weren't individuals like Daniel and Enoch and different people, Abraham and so forth. But as a nation, they didn't enter into God's rest, even though they kept the Sabbath. So you can go to church on the Sabbath and not be in God's rest. They also had the promised land. They occupied the promised land and still weren't in God's rest. Because being in God's rest doesn't matter where you live. Amen. It just means that you're resting in Him no matter where you are. Amen. That no matter where you are, you're trusting God. Yes. You want to be in harmony with God. Yes. Okay? That we believe in His creative powers. So resting is resting in God's promises. Yes. Resting in God's power. Resting in His providence. Resting in God's love and his foreknowledge. 
resting, 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 trusting, trusting, believing in God. But we mostly believe in men. I mean, it's predominant. And that's why we're still in this old world. And it's why this world's literally getting worse and falling apart. People believe in men politically, economically, even religiously. whole world's going to wander after the beast who cannot help them. Now, I want to bring up a couple stories to talk about the bring out rest, because that's what the Sabbath is all about, trusting God. And Abraham and Sarah is as about as a godly couple as you're ever going to find in the Bible. Do you agree with that? God had promised Abraham that he would have a son through Sarah. Is this true? Through his lineage would come the Messiah. Through them would be, they would be a great nation. They would be a blessing to the whole world because they would have the oracles of God. They would teach people, prepare people for the coming, the first advent of Christ, and introducing him to the world. However, Abraham and Sarah, after waiting many years, waited for the pregnancy of Sarah, thought to take things into her own hands because, well, she wasn't pregnant yet. God had promised... And if they only had rested in the promise and never stopped resting, think how beautiful this story would be. But it didn't happen according to their timetable. It took a little long. Got a little impatient. Took things into their own hands. No longer were in God's rest. Still believed in God took things in their own hands, how's this story turn out for them? No, there's always these repercussions, isn't there? Okay? The son of Abraham and Hagar would be the eldest son of Abraham and would logically become the heir of the promise, right? Because he's the eldest son. And yet, God's promise was to give Sarah a son, and that son was Isaac, and he was the one through whom God gave the promises. But weren't the promises to go through the eldest? But I want you to keep this in mind, that God's hands are not tied. The promises are going to go through those who believe most. Isaac was the most spiritual of the two, and he was the one through whom the promises would go. In fact, then he would have two sons, wouldn't he? Isaac and Rebekah. And they'd have twin boys, Esau and Jacob. So the prophecy, who was the firstborn? Esau. And yet the promise was that the elder would serve the younger. That through Jacob would come the promises. And so it sure looked like to Rebekah that when Isaac sent Esau out to go hunt venison... And when he came back, he was going to what? He was going to bless him and pass on the birthright. It looked like it was going to happen that day. But then Rebecca and Jacob did something. They came up with an alternative plan, man's plan, not God's plan. Was it still possible that while Esau was out there, that God could have arranged things, even when he got back? 
I mean, is God still going to keep his promise that the birthright would come through Jacob? What a beautiful story. How much different that story would have been to see how it would have played out if they just rested and God had promised. But instead of resting, they took things into their own hands. How'd that story turn out? You see, in the end of time, what God's waiting for is a people who don't just keep this day. They rest, and they rest, and they rest in the Lord. They become so settled in the truth that they're not going to be moved to come up with a man's plan. They believe in what God has said. They believe in what's going to happen and what they're supposed to do to tell the world about the coming of the Lord. And you just stick with the blueprint. That men have their own plans. And look where we are today. We're still here. But the work, work, the work will end with God's plan. The only thing you and I have to worry about is whether we're what? We're resting, trusting, believing. How often? Every day. Every day. I know it's hard. We may have been in a custom of just being in control of our own life. But you put everything on the altar and you put everything in God's hands. And no matter what he asks you to do, you do what God does during the creation week. Everything he did was pure and lovely and beautiful and kind. No matter what God has you to do. All he needs, and he needs people in every field of employment, is wherever you are, always be kind and beautiful and pure and help create these environments where people are more likely to draw closer to Christ than further away. Because that's ultimately what he's waiting for. By taking into their own hands, Jacob and Rebekah succeeded in their purpose, but they gained only trouble and sorrow by their deception. Rebekah bitterly repented the wrong counsel she had given her son. It was the means of separating him from her, and she never saw his face again. From the hour when he received the birthright, Jacob was weighed down with self-condemnation. He had sinned against his father, his brother, his own soul, and against God. In one short hour, he had made work of a lifelong repentance. This scene was vivid before him in after years when the wicked course of his own sons oppressed his soul. Jacob was a wonderful young man, but by not remaining in that rest, he wound up doing something that made him restless for decades. Not that it had to last that long, but it did. And this is why it's so important just to trust God, to ask God to lead, ask God to lead you what you should be doing, how we should be doing it, and not come up with our own plans. 
But the good news is, it's never too late. Through humiliation, repentance, and self-surrender, this sinful, erring mortal prevailed with the majesty of heaven. He had fastened his trembling grasp upon the promises of God, and the heart of infinite love could not turn away the sinner's plea. The error that he led to Jacob's sin in obtaining the birthright by fraud was now clearly set before him. He had not trusted God's promises. You see, that's what Sabbath rest is, trusting God. He had not trusted God's promises, but had sought by his own efforts to bring about that which God would have accomplished in his own time and way. And in evidence of that, he had been forgiven. His name was changed from one that was a reminder of his sin to one that commemorated his victory. Thy name, said the angel, shall be no more Jacob, the supplanter, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God with men, and hast prevailed. Sabbath rest, resting in him, is to believe. It's to believe in what he's promised, to believe in who he is, to believe in his power, and to never try to take it all into your own hands. When it comes to overcoming sin, when it comes to directing your path in life, you just simply trust God. And just grow where you're planted. We're all somewhere right now, right? Don't need to go anywhere else. Grow where you're planted. Trust God. God will open up other doors. If he wants you to go through a door, go through the door. But you know God's leading you. He wants you to give a Bible study to this person. Do it. Is there something God asking you to do? Do it. It's part of his plan. It's how he's lead, leading you. That's all part of Sabbath rest. That's how we keep the Sabbath rest in him. Think of Jesus. There were many occasions when Jesus was tempted, as were Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Rebekah, but never once did he choose to do God's work man's way. Lucifer would come to say, if you would just worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world right now and forever on planet Earth. Whose way is that? No, Satan's way. You could say man's way too, right? It's a creature's way. But Jesus, you imagine this life? Never, ever did he deviate from God's way. Isn't that a beautiful life? That's rest. Nobody kept the Sabbath more faithfully and spiritually as Jesus because he never changed God's plan in his life. He always was being led. He always said, I do nothing except, except by my Father's will, or as my Father shows me, right? One of the most impressive things about Christ's ministry was his unvarying faithfulness in carrying out nothing but his Father's will. He never permitted anything to swerve him from his duty, no matter how great and persistent the pressure was. Is this true? Wow, that's all what Sabbath rest is really about, isn't it? Now, think of this verse. This really, this verse becomes so important for us. It says, here is the patience of the saints. This is after the description of the 144,000. After the description of the three angels' message, it says in verse 12, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. 
So God, in the end of time, he's going to have a people while the world is completely going in the wrong direction. The whole world's wondering after the beast. Beginning to pass laws, Sunday laws, and they become more stringent. God's people have to have patience, trust, Sabbath rest, resting in God, because the whole world's going in a direction we know is, is wrong, and we can't stop it. It's not the way we would like it to see it go. And so we're just trying to pull people out, come out of Babylon. What else are you going to do? You got to have patience. Things may not happen in the church the way you want them to happen at the end of time. You're going to have to have patience. You're going to have to simply trust God and not man. I'm telling you, I have no idea what's going to happen. But I know it's only going to get worse. And there's going to be things that will happen that you will not like. And the only one you can trust is God. As if you were the only one in the world that he was directing. So God's people have to have patience. And if you have patience, that means you're being, you're being tested. That's right. <laughs> and they're going to keep the commandments of God because the only way to actually keep the commandments of God is by God's power. The same power in how he created our world is the same power in how you keep the commandments. The power is no different. Amen. And the faith of Jesus was that. That's not just faith in Jesus. That's exercising the same faith that Jesus exercised. Amen. And Jesus' faith was never doing anything unless the Father showed him. Yeah. Doing all things that my Father tells me to do. I say these things because the Father told me to say these things. Yeah. See, this is resting in God, Amen. which is what Sabbath rest is all about. Amen. Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. This is a principle. It's not in man that walketh to direct his paths, or it's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. That's saying that Jeff has no idea what, go ahead and say it, <laughs> what he's doing. Go ahead, it's okay. <laughs> Can I actually direct my steps to get myself to heaven? Okay, thank you. That was a resounding no. It's true, isn't it? Who is the only one that can lead me there? It's going to be God through the work of the Holy Spirit, right? And Jesus has already shown the way by showing me what perfect rest is. Resting in who God is and everything he has said and not deviate from that. Not trust myself, not trust man, only God. He's my creator, he's my sustainer. Where else, who else am I going to trust? And this is what it all means about keeping the Sabbath. In the final movements, the Lord will work this last work in a manner very much out of the common ordinary things in a way that will be contrary to any what? 
That means I, if I'm going to be part of God doing something that I can't even imagine right now, well, he'll reveal it when he's ready. But I want to be in a position where I can recognize it when it happens. And the only way to do that is to enter into his, his rest, to trust him. So when Christ comes, Christ will truly be the head and his followers will keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Amen. And I'm telling you, things, when things really hit, friends, things will be different than they are today. I can't tell you what they're going to look like. It's probably better that I don't know. But all I do need to know is, is that I can trust God Amen. and that God loves me. And right now, if there's anything, I know it, we all want to know exactly what's going to happen at the end of time. But that's not your job. Amen. Your job is to know him who knows everything that's going to happen at the end of time. Yes. And he'll reveal it in his own time and in his own way, because yes. we, no, we don't even know how to direct our own steps. Yes. How are we supposed to spell out what's going to happen, right. other than what's revealed? Amen. Is this true? Amen. Now, so why did God choose the seventh day? God saw that a Sabbath was essential for man, even in paradise. He needed to lay aside his own interests and pursuits for one day of the seven, that he might more fully contemplate what? So this is, we need to take time to contemplate the works of God and meditate upon who? His power and his... Because all he does is what? Good. That's all he ever does. And we're created in his image. And we, we exist by his power and we're sustained by his power. He needed a Sabbath to remind him more vividly of, of God and to awaken what? Gratitude. What happened to Lucifer? He was created. Highest created being. Greatest amount of talents. But he got to a point where he had no more gratitude to God and attributed all these things to himself. The Sabbath is to try to prevent us from doing the same thing. Amen. Every week we have an opportunity to say, you know, I'm but dust. But God, everything I am, if there's any good in me, it's from, it's from God. Is that right? Because if you don't believe, if you don't do this, eventually you start puffing yourself up. Remember the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is a weekly reminder that God is the creator and the, and the supplier. We are to work in cooperation with our creator supplier willingly and lovingly. So let's say, is there any farmers in here? I don't think we have a farmer. Gardening. Anybody here create seeds? Do you create any of the soil? The sunshine, the rain? But you benefit from them. God created them and he supplies these things. And all we're doing in our, during the week is we're using what God created and supplied. And I'm a farmer so that I can support my family. I'm growing crops for people too. And as I work through the week, I should always be grateful that God made these things. And all I'm doing is work in cooperation with things that he made for my benefit. So that if I have that attitude, then when I come to the Sabbath, I am so grateful. You know, friends, this week, 
I thank God who made seed. I thank God who made put nutrients in the soil and the sunshine and the rain because if it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't be here. There'd be no farm. There'd be no plants. And that's just the truth. It'd be the same thing if I was a carpenter like Nick. Did you make any trees, Nick? No, but you use wood, don't you? Yeah. And so he's just thankful that when he can make things and fix things, it's really because God's the supplier, isn't it? God's the supplier. And the Sabbath is always remind us of that. And if God makes the things that for six days we're using, physical things, is he also the supplier of spiritual things? I mean, it would be kind of odd that God would make all things physical for me to use, but I have to come up with my own spiritual stuff. That doesn't make any sense. So God supplies the love. He supplies the forgiveness. He supplies the understanding. All the things, that, all the ingredients, things we need to be remade in, into his image. But in the end, um, what's the world going to do? They dwell upon the earth, worship the first beast, whose names are not worship in the books, Lamb's Book of Life. I want you to think about this. We're talking about Sabbath rest to worship him who made everything, supplies everything, sustains everything. There's nobody else logically that you would rest in other than the one who made you and sustained you. And yet the whole world's going to wonder and worship who's made nothing except a mess. Who is the first beast? It's the papacy. Worship an institution that murdered over 50 million people instead of him who created heaven and earth? Why do men do this? Why would they worship after an institution? Why would they fall an institution of man? And you could pick out any other kind of institution, basically. You know what they haven't entered? Every sin in our world is a result of people not entering into the rest of God. Because it leaves them outside of God. Without being in God's rest, you're just a fallen human being. It doesn't matter what religion you make. It's not going to be a good one. Not outside of God's rest. What could we possibly do that's good outside of God's rest? I want you to look at this. I don't remember if this is the last slide or not. This is the three angels' message. Or this is actually the first angel's message. I want you to look at the order of this very carefully. The first thing mentioned in the first angel's message is the everlasting gospel, which is the good news that God would give us his only begotten son that we may be forgiven and Cleansed, changed, that we may receive Christ's righteousness imputed to our account, credited to us, and imparted to us. That's the good news. That Jesus not only died for me, but Jesus can live in me. Because there's two things I needed. I needed to be forgiven for the law I've already broken, of which I'm under condemnation, which is death. Because Jesus says, I'll take your place. I'll die in your place. So at that point, I'm a forgiven sinner. But I still need 
to be changed. And so Jesus says, before I die for you, I'm going to come in your flesh, your fallen flesh, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to show how all of, all of us can live in this flesh. I will live a life for you that you could never do by yourself. But through the work of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to show you what could happen for a person who's being recreated and has entered the rest of God and believes in creative power. And so in our fallen flesh, he lives an absolute perfect life and he doesn't even sin by a thought. That's what God can do. And that's what the gospel is. And then because that's a gospel, the next thing it says, you know, because God would do this, we should all have a fear, respect for God. God, you would do that for us. You'd give us life. And then you'd forgive us. But it would cost you so much. It would cost you your son. But you didn't want to let us go. Oh, and then my response is, I want to give you what? I want to give you glory. For the gospel. I want to be just like you. That's how you give glory to God. And then it says, you know, you don't have a lot of time. Because the judgment, you know, it's already started. It's actually already started. Paul priest, judgment to come somewhere in the future. But you know when we live? Every person in this room, before you were born, the judgment had already started. Isn't that something? Wow. We just barely made it, didn't we? We barely made it into existence. But praise God we're here. So what are we going to do? And that's the last part. We know time is so short that God says, there's something you got to do. You got to worship. You got to worship him who created heaven and earth. In other words, you got to, you got to enter the rest. Because to, Worship him who created heaven and earth is to worship him who's given you life and who sustains your life, the one who created you in his image. And the only way to do that is don't do what Adam and Sarah did. Don't do what Rebecca and Jacob did. Don't deviate from the plan. Find out what the plan is, which is to recreate you in his image. And just trust God. Not man, God. And every day, through the week, leading to next Sabbath, what are we going to do? Rest in God by, not by sleeping, by doing only that which is, before we keep the next Sabbath, on Sunday we need to do something good. And on Monday we need to do something good. Everything we do needs to be pure. Yes. Everything we need to do is beautiful and lovely. That doesn't mean you've got to stand on this street corner and preach. But no matter what your work is, you're always going to be kind. You're always going to be loving and patient, which takes resting in God. Because yes. if we're going to go kick the dog and yell at people during the week and come here and say, 
of all the days the best. That makes no sense. God's waiting for a people who believe in him and trust him all week long, and they come here and they sing. Oh, I'm telling you, they're going to sing because they've rested in God. And the testimonies, there won't even be time to preach a sermon to be so many testimonies. Is this true? I think it's true. And God will have a movement like that in the end. But let me go back to this and and conclude here. This makes perfect sense to me that it has to be this way. People think we're legalists by keeping the Sabbath. They couldn't be more wrong. Keeping the Sabbath as a true rest is not legalism. It's freedom. It's absolute freedom from sin. If it's understood properly... The Sabbath is freedom, and finally, finally, I'm just going to trust God and not myself. I have failed so many times. Wouldn't it be nice just to have a life where you just trust God? And every day, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. All you have to do is worry about today, and everything you do is is good by God's grace. That's how we ultimately rest in God and truly become Sabbath keepers. Before we have our closing hymn, or I do this closing prayer, our closing hymn is 384. Okay. If we could all stand, number 384, safely through another week.
Let us pray. Father, may every Sabbath be a culmination of a wonderful walk with thee through the week. Thank you, Father, for the creative power that has always surrounded us since our birth. Even at the time of our conception, we know that your power, your presence has been with us. But, Father, may we experience that presence to be recreated in your image every day of the week that we may come here and sing as we've never sung before. To be a people that you've waited for for 2,000 years since the cross. And Father, we are anxious to be that last generation. We do want Jesus to come in our time. So Father, fill us with thy spirit. May we be made willing to follow your perfect plan for our life. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.